This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We are here to take you from a martyr to a model, you know, a role model who demonstrates the behavior that you want to see in your kids. I am your host, Joanne Crown, for this extra little Thursday episode of the podcast. Usually, we have been doing some wins from our balance members, and I hope you've gotten the chance to listen to those because it really shows you the change that you can make in your own life. And today, we're going to do something a little different. Stick with me because we are talking about emotions. Like you want to start singing that Mariah Carey song you heard in middle school when you were in the portable and outside on the playground. You heard that like aria she does, the ah, ah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, emotions. Because sometimes when we are in these back and forth struggles with our kids, we are caught in this fight of emotions with this child who doesn't really understand emotions the way that adults do, doesn't understand what they're feeling, just feels all of this turmoil and struggle within their body and is lashing out at you. Maybe it's something to do with breakfast and there's nothing, quote unquote, nothing that they could find to eat when both you and I know that pantry is fully stocked and there are so many options, including the bananas that are in the middle of the counter. But no, your child says there's nothing to eat. And then all of a sudden, your calm morning goes into one of crying and screaming and stomping and slamming of doors. And no matter how often you tell your child, hey, there's a banana right there on the counter, you should put that in your mouth and you should eat, nothing, nothing seems 
to help. And right now you're probably feeling you're failing and you're doing something wrong and you're ineffective as a mom. And I don't want you to feel that way at all. We're going to talk about a little different way to handle the situation that puts feelings first. So the first thing that I want to teach you is name it to tame it. And this is something that comes from Dr. Tina Payne Bryson and Dr. Daniel Siegel in their amazing book, The Whole Brain Child. And what name it to tame it is it's naming the exact emotion that you're feeling. Because I'm sure that you've gone through something where you feel all of this blah in your body. You don't know what it is. There's a lot of fear that comes from feeling that when you don't know what it is. And that's the exact same thing that our kids are feeling too. But when we can define it, when we can give it a name, that feeling becomes more certain. The fear is removed. It also bridges us with this common humanity that we have with everybody else. So we know other people have felt this exact same way that we're feeling too. And we're not alone in this struggle. So naming it to taming it is about naming the exact emotion that you're feeling or your child's feeling at that time. Now, this could be something like sadness or anger, or we can get a little more dialed down, a little more specific. And thinking about the breakfast situation, maybe they are hungry. That is a definite thing they're feeling at that time. But maybe they're also feeling helpless because they have no control over what they want to eat. They have to pick something out of the pantry. Not to say that you should keep their favorite foods in stock all the time, but that acknowledging that emotion of helplessness is so helpful for a child. Or maybe they're anxious. Maybe they feel like what is available to them will hurt their stomach in some way, that they're really sensitive in that regard. So when you name that emotion, you help them get better control over it. Now, when using name it to tame it, it helps you tackle your own emotions too, because number one, You have better communication. You could tell people exactly what you are feeling at that time and be very specific about it. And also, you can engage in better problem solving so that when you say something like you're sad, that could be generic. Like people can be sad in a multitude of ways. They could be disappointed. They could be unhappy. They could be hurt. They could be shameful. They could be lonely. And Each of those specific ways has a different method of problem solving associated with it. So when we narrow in on the exact emotion that either you're feeling or your child is feeling, it really helps you engage in that better problem solving so that you don't feel like you're trying to shoot arrows in the dark at a target, but rather you're laser focused on figuring out that exact problem. So how can we use this with our kids and their emotions? Because obviously our kids do not have at their disposal this wide vocabulary of emotions that they're experiencing. We get to help them identify it. And we're also giving them this permission that they're free to feel whatever they feel. So gone are the days where kids are crying and we tell them, don't be sad, don't cry. That's not helpful. And you might have had that said to you as a child. And when somebody tells you not to cry, it's not about you at all. 
It's not. It's that this other person feels so uncomfortable with your sadness and your emotions that they want you to stop. So I want to let that sink in a little bit when we tell people not to cry or when we tell kids not to cry. It has nothing to do with them. It's all about how you feel and you're also trying to protect the people around you from strong emotions. And when we press those emotions down, they're bound to come up in other ways. So we really want to reinforce for our kids that they are free to feel whatever they feel. And this goes the same for you as a parent. You are free to feel whatever you feel. If you feel angry, you're okay feeling angry. You might feel enraged or exasperated or irritable or jealous or disrespected. Those are all valid emotions. And when you name them, you're able to deal with them better. So here's a way that you can help kids really narrow in on the specific emotion that they're feeling. With the breakfast example I mentioned earlier, you could say something like, I see you feel sad, but I wonder if you don't feel helpless or anxious. And they might respond to you and be like, I do feel helpless. I don't feel like I have any control of what I eat. And obviously, this is an older child who's saying this to you, like 10, because a six-year-old wouldn't respond this way. But with the younger kids, you can do this too. It's something that Dr. Harvey Karp uses in his books, The Happiest Toddler on the Block. He uses this language called fast food language. Like you're talking to someone at a drive-thru. And when you talk to someone at a drive-thru, you don't use these long sentences. Yes, I would like the crispy and salty fries with a burger cooked medium rare and a ice cold Coca-Cola. That's just weird. We're doing the same thing when we're talking to little kids and we're using all these words that they don't understand and that are inappropriate for the situation. So with really young ones, like toddlers, preschoolers, you can use fast food language. What would you say in the drive-thru? I'll have a Big Mac and fries with a Coke. Very simple. With kids, you feel mad. You're mad. You're angry. You're angry that you can't have banana. And it sounds like talking to a caveman a little bit, and that's okay. But your child's going to look at you, and they may even stop crying and say, yeah. Their whole demeanor changes because that is the power of naming your emotions to tame them. Here's another one. Say your teenager comes to you and they are just going on and on about how a teacher didn't teach correctly today and now they don't understand anything in their biology class and they're really angry, they said. You can help them narrow in a little bit more on the emotion they're feeling. I see that you're angry, but I also wonder if you're not frustrated or scared even that you might not get this material right. So narrowing in on those emotions then helps your child better deal with what they're feeling. 
So when we are in these emotional situations with our kids, the most important thing to do is to tackle those feelings first. And by going through this process and start making it centered on feelings versus giving advice on what to do or not to do, you're going to see a huge change in the reaction from your kids. So remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. I'll talk to you later. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.